Chapter 2, My Warped Perspective on Travel Around 2005, I began to travel quite extensively for my company. Every time I turned around, I found myself walking into an airport, waiting for a plane to take off, or dealing with flight delays. I'm an impatient person to begin with, but having to deal with the flight schedules and all the issues surrounding travel frustrated me to no end. To further complicate things, I lived in Bellingham, Washington, a small town whose airport has only a few outbound flights each day. All of my trips had to go through Seattle, which added three to four hours to the length of every trip. If I drove to Seattle, it cost me two hours of road time, plus the expense of parking. Then, if I happened to return late at night, I was faced with another two-hour drive while being drop-dead tired. Flying to Seattle didn't save much time either, because I had to get to the airport an hour early for every flight. One day, I stopped at a convenience store in the Seattle airport to look at something to read, and picked out a magazine called Flying. On the front cover was this amazing-looking airplane called a jet prop, next to a headline that said, Business or Pleasure? One of the articles inside compared flying from Seattle to Southern California in a private plane versus flying on a commercial airline. The author said it was just as fast to take your own plane as it was to fly commercially. I was a bit skeptical about the claim at first, but after reading the whole article, I realized I could benefit from having my own plane. Since Bellingham is only a half-hour flight from Seattle, I could save a few hours on nearly every business trip and also cut out some of the clunky mechanics of traveling commercially. I spent the rest of the trip to Southern California, coincidentally, thinking about the possibility of becoming a pilot. After a year of researching the pros and cons of owning a plane, I decided to pull the trigger and get my pilot's license. Soon afterwards, I bought my first plane, a Diamond DA-40. A year and a half later, I bought the plane of my dreams, a jet prop similar to the one on the magazine cover. The turbine aircraft could fly at 28,000 feet and almost 300 miles an hour. Soon I was jetting all over the United States and Europe, logging thousands of hours behind the controls of my new plane. In those days, flying your own aircraft made a lot of sense. Many of my distributors were in small communities scattered across the United States, and it was convenient to fly directly to nearby regional airports that weren't serviced by commercial airlines. Over the next 10 years, I spent a lot of time flying myself around, never needing to schedule an airline ticket or worry about whether there was a connecting flight to some obscure airport. The convenience was great, but it came with a high price tag. It was expensive to learn to fly and to maintain two aircraft. Another big expense was bringing a professional pilot along with me much of the time, just to make sure I did everything right. The kind of flying I was doing was very complex. It was not unusual for me to fly to five states in one day. My entire foray into private aviation served me well, but about a year ago, I decided to sell my planes. While I certainly enjoyed having them and all the experiences they provided me, I now reflect back on that time period and realize I had a warped perspective on travel. I used to think about commercial travel as nothing but a long list of inconveniences, crowded seats, bad food, flight delays, etc. Today, though, I feel entirely different about it. Because I have learned lean and know how to eliminate waste in everything, 
Travel has become pure joy for me. When I have to go somewhere, I look forward to traveling commercially. In fact, I now see commercial travel as better than private because I don't have to manage an aircraft, an aviation department, or anything else. I can just leave all that to the pros who have a much better safety track record than I could ever accomplish. Even though I had no accidents or any problems, the training of a professional pilot far surpasses that of a private pilot. When I go to the airport and have to wait a couple hours for a plane to take off, I'm no longer frustrated. I'm happy to have more time to get things done, like writing, answering emails, or communicating with friends. Even making travel arrangements is fun now. I'm able to plan an entire trip using tools that are available to anyone. I use TripAdvisor to find out what the best hotels and local attractions are in the city that I'm going to visit. I use Google Earth to zoom in on the exact area where I'm staying so I have a mental picture of it before I ever leave home. I use Expedia to book all my travels. Just click, 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 and I'm done. Before we continue, I want to ask you, is your perspective on travel warped? Do you have a degree of angst about the whole process? Are there things that bother you about it? If so, I would suggest that, like I once did, you have a weak understanding of how to navigate the system successfully so you can enjoy it from beginning to end. But don't worry, the purpose of this book is to show you how to continuously improve your travel experience using lessons I have learned through years of being on the road. Throughout this book, I'm going to share terms that are common to lean manufacturing and give you examples to help you become a lean thinker so that you can apply the principles to every aspect of your life, including travel. Here are a few. One-piece flow. One-piece flow means to focus on one task at a time without putting anything off or letting work accumulate. When the flight attendant hands you the customs form, don't stuff it in the pouch in the front of the seat and then later panic when the plane has landed and you have to pull it out and get it all done as everyone's leaving the plane. Do it now. To be even more efficient, it helps to memorize your passport number and flight number so you don't have to jockey around trying to find the information. Batch work. Batch work is the opposite of one-piece flow. When you say, I'll get to that later, and put each task on a to-do list, you create a batch work for yourself. Essentially, you accumulate a whole bunch of things to do at a later time, which makes it harder to complete them. If you wait too long, you can't remember all the details, which means you have to spend a whole bunch of time going back and collecting the information that you had at your fingertips when you first received it. Managing all this is over-processing. Single-Minute Exchange of Dyes In the lean world, SMED, or Single-Minute Exchange of Dye, means to change a dye or machine out in a few minutes so that you don't have to make large batches. With lean travel, SMED requires making sure it is easy to change between tasks so you do not put them off until a later date. For example, when I started writing this book, I was using both my computer and my iPhone to type it. However, I noticed I was regularly putting off writing because my computer dictation function was harder to use than my iPhone's. Dictation was easy on my iPhone, but the editing was difficult because the font was very small. I didn't have the best eyesight. I preferred to use the iPhone because it was easy to keep at hand and was also very versatile. 
I could more easily switch between tasks such as answering emails, banging out a chapter in the book, or booking a flight reservation. The solution turned out to be simple. I increased the font size in the Pages app on my iPhone, and before long, I was doing everything on the phone. Problem solved. This is a classic example of single-minute exchange of dies. I was exchanging my workflow from one thing to another very simply because I improved the processes. When you really get into this lean thinking, you'll find out that it applies to everything you're doing in life. Now, I'm going off script here a little bit, but that is why I'm a lean fanatic, because these principles that typically apply to manufacturing actually have great application to everything you do and especially the way you travel. Standardization. By using standardized processes, you remove the burden from everything you do and make your work more productive and more effective. In this case, I standardized my work so I could use my iPhone for 98% of the processes that I performed every day as opposed to jockeying back and forth between the laptop and the iPhone. Muda or waste. I mentioned the eight wastes of lean in the introduction, and we'll talk about these more as we go along. The first and most important waste is overproduction, which is when we make too much of something. If you create excess product, it is cumbersome to manage it. Packing too much stuff for a trip is an example of overproduction when we travel. We carry so many things we really don't need, and it just encumbers the entire system. We will talk about a lot of other terms throughout the course of this book, and you'll start to see how understanding lean manufacturing and becoming a lean thinker is highly relevant to travel. So let's get started. The one thing, for the love of God, understand your weaknesses and distortions and turn them into your strengths.